0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at SalemAlliance.org. Today's talk is given by Laura Scherer. Welcome to live stream. Welcome to all of you. Some of you in the room I know really well. Some of you I've never met, so I'll introduce myself. My name is Laura Sher, and I serve as our Pastor of Spiritual Formation, which means I get to serve with adult ministries, and in particular, healing and prayer ministries. And I have been at this church forever, maybe longer than any of you guys, 1989, when uh, Nate and I started dating, we started coming to church here, and we got married in Cedar Hall. We've raised our kids here. It is an honor to be a part of this church family, and I'm happy to be bringing the word this morning. So Nate and I have we have two two adult children we've uh, 24 and 26 we've got a daughter in law now and back in the day when our son was about this big I walk into my bathroom. And notice that he's crying. He is upset about something. And the funny part about this moment, it is kind of funny, um, is that he had caught his reflection in the mirror. And he was checking himself out. He is crying. His face is all twisted up. The tears are coming out. And he's looking at himself from all angles to see what's happening. I'm pretty sure he, like, stirred it up so it would last a little bit longer. So I was, I think, a good mom in the moment where I'm laughing inside, but, of course, I took it very, very seriously, and we have made fun of him ever since. (laughs) The reason that I tell that story is today, we are going to look in the mirror, so to speak, to notice what we see when pain comes our way. What reflection do we see? Sometimes, what what we see in the mirror is a face that has doubt Confusion. How could this be? I don't understand. Sometimes what we see in the mirror is eyes that are burning, a face twisted in anger. This is not right. And sometimes when pain comes our way, it does look more like my son Travis, sad, tears. We've all been there. Some of us are there right now. And so we will look in the mirror, notice what happens when pain comes our way, but we will look to God and his word today for guidance and wisdom. I wanna get us thinking with a little bit of a self-awareness exercise. The question is, how do you deal with pain? So on the screen, you're gonna see four options, at least one of them I'm I'm guessing you'll relate to. So the first one is numbing. Do we have any numbers out here? I'll deal with this later, maybe. Second one, Mulling, How could I have prevented this? If I think about it long enough, it'll never happen again. Third one, venting. I have to let this pain out now. And the fourth, it's called frenzy. It's fine. Let's redecorate. Let's go shopping, buy a new dog, go to Disneyland, right? The point is, pain does come our way, and we all handle it in different ways, some that are helpful some that are not, some that are actually expensive in the long run. <laughs> We're currently in a series called Summer in the Psalms. And last week, Ephron took us to a psalm of praise, Psalm 8. You can guess what my topic is today. It's Psalms of Lament. And I've chosen chapter 77. This psalm is written by a man named Asaph. He was a worship leader. Uh, Appointed by King David for the tabernacle choir. And when you think of Asaph as a worship leader, don't think a guy with a guitar, uh, a cheerful face, leading us us in songs of joyful celebration. Think more like sackcloth and ashes. And he is leading us in a song of lament. So we're going to take this psalm in two sections. Here is the first section I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed, with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed, even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? As you read this text, what are you noticing? What's your reaction? Maybe even physically, I notice I tense up a little bit. These words are strong. They are emotional. They are harsh. I have two reactions that I've noticed as I read through these each time. First, I get a little nervous. Can you actually say these kinds of things out loud, about God, to God? My second reaction is relief. I've had these kinds of thoughts before, and I'm guessing you have too. And they're in our scriptures. Maybe it's okay. You've probably heard the name C.S. Lewis. A famous author who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, and I'm pretty sure he's Brian Candelo's favorite author. Any Lewis fans out there? Yep. Well, Lewis was, he also wrote a book uh, called Mere Christianity, and he was one of the best apologetic writers of our times. And when I use the word apologetic here, it means the intellectual defense of the Christian faith. So we know Lewis to have been a man of deep faith, a man of great intellect, and a man who defended the legitimacy of Christianity. He was also a man acquainted with grief. You see, he married later in life and then lost his wife early in their marriage to cancer. So as he grieved through the pain, he journaled. And his journal eventually became a book called A Grief Observed. Here is an excerpt from his journal. Meanwhile, where is God? Go to Him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once, and that seeming was as strong as this. What can that mean? Again, can you say these things out loud about God, to God? It seems as if Asaph the psalmist and C.S. Lewis, the Christian apologist, they hold nothing back. And in my study, I found a definition of lament that seems to match what we're hearing from these two guys. The lament is pouring out our feelings to God before editing our words before making them consistent with our theology or what we believe to be true about God. Pouring out our feelings before editing or making them consistent. My favorite author, Madeline Lingle, wrote the foreword to A Grief Observed, and this is what she has to say. I'm grateful to Lewis for having the courage to yell, to doubt, to kick at God with angry violence. This is a part of healthy grief not often encouraged. It is helpful indeed that C.S. Lewis, who has been such a successful apologist for Christianity, should have the courage to admit doubt about what he has so superbly proclaimed. It gives us permission to admit our own doubts, our own angers and anguishes, and to know that they are part of the soul's growth." So I'd like to make a couple of brief observations about why you and I would even consider this kind of courageous honesty. First observation is simply this, the very existence of the the lament literature in our scriptures would tell us that God does handle and even invite our doubt, our pain, and our anger. There are about 65 lament psalms in the book of Psalms, more than any other type of psalm in the collection. Not to mention, there are whole books of lament in our scriptures, like Job and the appropriately named Lamentations. I would also like to advocate for the fact that lament is a healthy and appropriate response to things that are not right that the act of lament is a place of honesty about what's wrong in the world. In fact, this response is so appropriate that we see God himself lamenting time and time again. Throughout our scriptures, we find a God who expresses his own pain and anger. We hear Jesus as he grieves over the state of affairs in Jerusalem. We hear Jesus weep over the death of his friend Lazarus We hear Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out in anguish. And we hear Jesus on the cross. He speaks a psalm of lament, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, God laments too. What do you do when pain comes your way? Plenty of factors would keep us from the act of lament, including this sense of maybe I'm disrespecting God or distrusting God. And if I were to pour out my unedited complaints, wouldn't I be tarnishing God's reputation? But what if God has never asked us to protect him in this way? And what if lament is actually one of the most spiritually healthy things that we could do? That rather than fall into the pit of denial on one end, the pit of despair on the other end, that there is a pathway down the middle where we don't avoid God in our pain, we go to God with our pain. This pathway is not the never-ending cul-de-sac of sorrow because it has a direction and it has a destination. And beyond our personal pain, what if... The watching world desperately needs us Christians to admit and give voice to the brokenness and pain that does exist all around us. That when it seems as though the world is crumbling, the language of a lament allows us to speak profoundly and relevantly into our hurting world. People of God, Could lament be one of our greatest witnesses to a God who grieves and who can handle doubt, pain, and anger because of all people on the earth? Christians know there is something wrong, and we've been given a language for pain. Turns out that lament is one of the most faithful responses to the reality of pain. It is uniquely Christian in that it is a place to go with our pain. It's the mysterious middle between denial and despair. It is admitting that something is very wrong in the very presence of God himself. Think about it with me. What is the appropriate response to horrific school shootings and the loss of innocent life? How about Psalm 10? Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? What can we say about floods, earthquakes, wars that devastate entire regions? Psalm 44. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? How about... Depression, anxiety that seem to endlessly rob joy. We have Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? What about life plans, hopes, and dreams that seem to have faded? Psalm 119, my eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Or how about a kid like DJ, his testimony, who suffered so much and then loses his dad? Of course, he falls to his knees in lament because it turns out that lament is one of the most faithful responses to the reality of pain. Our God can handle it. Our God invites it. Our God laments too. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of a pause and a breath here before we turn the corner to the second half of the psalm. So would you pause with me and just notice what's stirring in you? God, what are you drawing our attention to right now? Let's just take a breath. As we turn the corner into the second half of this psalm, you are going to notice a shift in tone, you'll notice a shift in the emotion that's being expressed as Asaph continues to walk us through the lament process. I don't want us to interpret this shift as Asaph's attempt to quickly tidy and clean up a mess, wrap it up, put a bow on it, moving on, even though if we're honest, that's maybe what most of us want. Like, let's, Enough of this pain talk, right? Let's move on. So, on that note, I do have another self-awareness exercise for us. Have you ever glossed over your pain with a phrase like, but God is good, or it could be worse? Have you ever offered comfort to someone else by saying, remember, God has a plan. Everything happens for a reason. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now don't get me wrong, there's some truth here. Well-intentioned when we offer it. We can even find Bible verses that we may have plucked out of their context to support. And yet, my caution to us is when we speak these words, we may be getting in the way of a very healthy and necessary grief process by speaking too quickly too simply, and maybe even unbiblically. So, as we get back into this psalm, I think you'll see that Asaph is not rushing into a quick solution. He's not offering us a simple platitude or pep talk. Let's read it together, starting in verse 10. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord I remember your wonderful, wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph." When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led down through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there you led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Can you hear the shift? Can you sense Asaph's turning a corner? And this kind of shift is actually a common pattern in the Lament Psalms. It's a pivot, it's a turn with words like, and yet, or even so. And you might have heard the pivot phrase here. Asaph says, but... Then, For ten verses, we've heard his unedited complaint. It seems as though he's already in the pit of despair, the never-ending cul-de-sac of sorrow. He uses words like never and forever, and his face in the mirror is twisted in pain. But then, but then I recall, he says, But then I remember, and with these two words, but then, he begins to turn the corner. Around this corner, we find something called trust. And this kind of trust is no mere platitude. It is not shallow in any way, no Pollyanna fairy tale. This trust is built on the historical evidence of God's power, God's provision, God's protection, it's rooted in the fact that God did free his people from slavery by parting a sea. It's a documented, witnessed, unarguable miracle of God that would lead one to trust in the existence of wonderful deeds, of mighty works, of awesome power, and of God's strong arm. Yes, God can handle, and he invites our lament. There is a pathway between denial and despair. It is not the never-ending cul-de-sac of sorrow because it has a direction and a destination. And somewhere on this pathway, there is a corner to turn. There's a but then. Notice with me that Asaph's but then wasn't something that even happened to him personally in his lifetime. It's a story, past through the generations. And I don't know about you, but I get stuck in my timeline as if this moment in time offers the only proof or evidence of God's goodness and trustworthiness. And I worry that when we make our worlds this small that we're missing out on a trust that is built over lifetimes. Not just my life, And my time. Uh, This time last year, I uh, took off on a sabbatical that was granted to me graciously. It was a time of rest and reflection. Uh, My heart needed it. I was in a season of lament. We were all coming out of the COVID experience and trying to just reorient and make sense. And my heart was particularly breaking over what church communities had experienced with the fracturing of some relationships, some division, some angry politics. My heart was hurting and I needed to lament. On my sabbatical, I got to take a trip to Boston to visit um, our son and daughter-in-law and then I drove all the way back home by myself. It was a road trip, it was fantastic. Um, In Boston, we visited an old church dating back to the 1600s that still has a congregation. And in this church, uh, along the back of the pew, the last row of pews were plaques that chronicled pivotal moments in our nation's history. One of the first plaques read this, The Witch Trials. In 1692, our members are among both the accused and the judges. Next plaque, in 1700, Samuel Sewell publishes the earliest biblically argued anti-slavery tract in America and argues for the rights of women and Native Americans. The plaques continue marching through history with moments that had rocked our nation and rocked our churches. And as I read, I had a but then moment as God whispered to me, Laura, I've done this before. Laura, I'm not anxious. Laura, I've got this, and then I got to drive across the country, and I had hours and miles of time to pour out my unedited complaints to God. There was plenty of doubt, anger, and for me, it's always tears. Luckily, I was by myself, so nobody had to deal with those tears this time around, There's a great amount of space to pour my heart out to God, and there were plenty of but-then moments along the way as God continued to whisper to me, Laura, I've done this before. I'm not anxious. I've got this. One of my stops was Yellowstone National Park, and of course I went to see Old Faithful, the geyser. And God used the geyser as a bit of a metaphor for me, that no matter if hundreds of tourists are gathered as it goes off and we're ooing and awing, it's amazing. Or nobody is there because it's three o'clock in the morning, it's dark, and we're all asleep. God continues to do what he does. He is faithful again and again and again. I've got this. I'm not anxious. I've done this before. One more thing I want to point to in this passage. We're going to, we're going to go back to uh, verse 19, and I'll put it on the screen. In both the NIV and the NLT, you've heard me already use this word, path and pathway. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there this might be one of the most compelling reasons why you and I would trust god even in the moments of deepest darkness anguish because he alone knows the pathway right through the middle between denial and despair i can't see my way forward up or out of the pain i can't even see god's footprints And yet, but then, a sea is parted. I'll summarize by asking one last time, what do you do when pain comes your way? And I'm grateful for Asaph and the other psalmists who have given us a great guide and wisdom. We get to express unedited feelings of doubt, pain, and anger in the presence of God. We turn the corner towards trust with a but then. And we wait for the unknown pathways of God. So to conclude, we're actually going to sing and I'm going to join in the singing. Uh, Natalie and Duane are going to come. And the song that we get to sing together is Great Is Thy Faithfulness. It, it was an anchor song for me through COVID. But what, what you need to know is that this song is inspired from a lament from the book of Lamentations, chapter three. I read it this week several times. And the first 20 verses, they are dark. They are harsh. They are heavy, unedited. And then Jeremiah has a but then moment. It sounds like this. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.